0: The value of investments can fall as well as rise, and losses may be made. This is not a buy, sell, or hold recommendation for any particular security. The banking world has recently been rocked by the failure of two regional banks, peripheral banks, if you will, in the United States of America, but then... The ante was upped a little bit when Credit Suisse suffered its crisis and the Swiss National Bank, alongside UBS, had to come in and uh, offer a rescue package. And uh, the nervousness is still there, despite the guarantees from other central banks, like, for example, the US Federal Reserve and also the Treasury in the United States. With his views on this matter, is Philip Saunders, Investment Institute Director at 91. London. There's always a positive to these things. It's almost like a a forest fire that weeds out all the alien vegetation, Philip. That's the only analogy I can come up with. You've got something positive, I understand. Yeah, I mean, that's a
1: great analogy,
0: Lindsay. And
1: um, yeah, I think it's quite interesting that, uh, you know, we're beginning to see things go bang. And, you know, this happens when you go into a period of tightening, tightening of monetary conditions. And, you know, if you look at the past, there are these periods, we're in a bear market at the moment, that's playing out. And, you know, the typical expression, I think, was that, you know, the Fed tightens until something breaks. And here we're seeing a number of things begin to break. And quite often, it's the weak things that break. And it's the vegetation that needs to be burnt off that actually suffers. So actually, these signs of apparent distress, I think, are actually really signs that, uh, process is working, the weak are being weeded out, uh, to continue with that analogy, and the stronger players will be in an even stronger position because the competitive landscape will shift.
0: Okay, the results of these two as I call them, regional bank collapses in the United States. I think, to a layman like myself, is because of ultra-cheap money and even a relatively new bank, a relatively inexperienced bank, if I can call SVB inexperienced, made money because it was so easy to make money for a banker. Am I being unkind or too simplistic?
1: No, you're not being too simplistic. So we've been in a period, you know, the a ZERP period, the post-global financial crisis period, where we've seen extraordinarily low uh, interest rates and indeed extraordinarily low inflation. And this has sort of been the culmination of effectively four decades of disinflation. You go back to the 1980s. Volcker was uh, in charge of the Fed and he was determined to address the inflation challenge that had dogged uh, the U.S. and indeed other economies during the 1970s and early 80s. And that marked an inflection point, And that was, you know, resulted in a painful recession. Continental Illinois was uh, one of the banks that went bust in that particular episode. And since then, we've had lower inflation, and we've had lower and lower interest rates and after the global financial crisis we then ended up in this sort of zero rates period you know it's just pretty challenging because capitalism works if capital gets a return and capital no longer was getting a return and this led to all sorts of distortions and it meant that uh, a whole series of businesses grew like crazy on the back of very cheap and abundant money and that led to a lot of capital misallocation You know, we saw sort of things like WeWork and the various sort of venture capital companies that were sort of brought to market in IPOs at eye-watering multiples, yes? Yeah. Uh, And that game is over. We're not going back to zero rates, where this is not just a cyclical adjustment in interest rates. This is a new normal. So during the zero interest rate sort of era, you know, people talked about the new normal. Yes. And it was a very unusual normal, but it wasn't normal. Now we really are going, if you like, back to a more normal environment where, you know, there's a real rate of return on capital. And this, I think, you know, even though interest rates will eventually fall back to a lower level, they're not going back to zero. And so we're in an environment where business models that rely on big carry trades and, you know, a very low cost of capital are really suffering. Okay,
0: um, so let me get this straight. What you're saying is that what we've seen from central banks, I mean, we always talk about, you know, the ECB and the Bank of England and uh, the US Federal Reserve, but I noticed there's been Norway, Taiwan, and various other central banks as well following the US Federal Reserve. So interest rates are being ramped up everywhere. The person I was speaking to earlier just said to me, it's just been missing. Mismanaged by central banks. And that's a strong and slightly unkind contention, I think. But he said it's been mismanaged because it's been too far, too fast. It should have been done more gradually. And that is why the banking system is creaking a little bit.
1: Yes. Well, I think that uh, the banking system, you know, it was very well telegraphed that the central banks were going to have to put up interest rates significantly when it became apparent, you know, how powerful the sort of revival in inflation was. Now, clearly, the central banks, along with governments, were complicit in the response to COVID, which resulted in the sort of culmination of the zero rates period. That then obviously stimulated demand at a time when supply was constrained. And that was, in essence, the uh, origin of the uh, sort of inflation shock that we're actually dealing with. But the central banks had to respond to that. They were late to respond, and so they've had to actually respond more rapidly, so hence this sharp rise in rates. But, you know, it was pretty obvious to most market participants that this was going to happen well before the Fed actually raised rates, and well before rates in the market went up significantly. So the likes of SVB could have hedged their interest rate exposure at much more reasonable levels, and chose not to... (laughs) because it would dent their profitability. They thought they were still in this era of low rates where their carry trades would work. So I don't agree with your former caller because I think that, uh, and clearly you're seeing a cacophony of complaints about the behavior of central banks, you know, because it spoiled the party for a lot of people you know, who were doing pretty well in the zero rates environment.
0: Okay, so it's been an unfair criticism of central banks, but unfortunately the market participants govern what happens. And as we're pre-recording this on Friday the 24th, I can see markets coming under severe pressure. So whether the banks were right or wrong, the market participants, in your view, are misinterpreting this and overreacting.
1: Yes. I mean, I think that there's been a lot of technical things happening in markets at the moment. You saw this very, very dramatic move in two-year rates. And then, of course, you know, you come in and think, right, well, you know, this means the yield curve is now disinverting, which means that the recession that's likely to be upon us and, you know, banking stability, financial stability is under attack. Yes. Mm -hmm. And no, I don't think that is the case. I think what's been going on is there's been a severe position squeeze. You know, because you need dramatic movement, which suggests that, uh, you know, significant market players are wrongly positioned and we should be careful to read too much into this. Yes. So I think this is a time to be uh, cautious, certainly, because we're sort of going through a bear market. You know, a great strategist came up with this sort of expression. He said bear markets are a process of discovery. And how right he was. And we're going through a process of discovery. We're discovering the weak links. The risk to financial stability is, I think, entirely manageable. And so we could, shouldn't get carried away with the kind of scare stories that are doing, or doing the rounds at the moment. Sure, it means that markets, you know, equity markets, still relatively highly valued, you know, should probably be weaker than they are at the moment. But I think the level of hysteria is inappropriate relative to you know it it means we've got to step back to really get some objectivity to understand what's going on
0: okay but hysteria obviously presents opportunities whether it be on monday or whether it be in six months time and i think that's what you're trying to say is saying that this is a good weeding out this is a good fire that we've had uh, for longer term investors which of course you are at 91.
1: yeah this is a good fire and uh, this is a necessary fire And this is going to throw up significant opportunities. You know, again, we should be careful about sort of only looking at the US and Europe, because if you look at what's going on in China at the moment, you know, actually, I think we're going to have quite a lot of good news out of China, at least economically speaking, over the course of the next few months. And, you know, the economy is coming out of the COVID conditions and is strengthening at the moment, even as some other economies are weakening. So at a sort of global level, you know, actually... There are positive signs. But in terms of the West, you know, we've still got to go through this sort of clearing out process, this repricing process. And I think that that then means that we're we start to move into the next cycle and the next cycle is going to be a much more normal cycle. It's not going to be this sort of zero rate situation. And I think that's going to be a lot healthier.
0: Very good. Just briefly and finally, what particular asset classes would you target in order of magnitude? In other words, would it be the bond market? Is that the most obvious one? Would it be beaten up um, equities in certain jurisdictions? Give us a clue, please.
1: Yeah, so I think that um, we like Asian equities already because I think that they have repriced significantly. We think the new cycle is beginning to unfold in Asia. Uh, and markets tend to anticipate these things. So that there, I think that we've got a green light on that front. I think elsewhere, I think we've seen a significant repricing in government bond markets, but we haven't yet seen a full repricing in credit markets, you know, where there is a risk of recession, clearly, and that means default rates tend to go up. And I don't think that credit spreads currently fully reflect that, although there are plenty of exceptions. Uh, and then equities, you know, again, I think that uh, you know, US equities seem to be still, valuations seem to be somewhat elevated. So I think that they can derate further. We don't know what's going to happen exactly on the earnings side, but we've been moving in the right direction. I We've had this derating process that's been going on now since last year. I suspect that will probably run its course you know, as we get into the second half of the year. And, you know, at that point, I think that we can be a bit more constructive about the future. I think leadership is clearly going to change. It often does when you reach an important cyclical inflection point. And in the past cycle, clearly it was the US above everything. uh, And it was tech companies in particular. I think the new cycle is going to be led by different sectors, And so that's where the leadership is likely to come from. So more capex driven uh, beneficiaries, probably more cyclical businesses. So now's the time to be thinking about the next cycle. We've still got to go through the trough of this particular end of cycle and think about how we're going to be positioning our portfolio. So, you know, we've had to be extremely patient about this. It's been a long drawn out process. It's probably got some way to go. But actually, recent signs of weakness like SVB and so forth and Credit Suisse, you know, actually, you know, it seems perverse to say so, but these are actually pretty healthy signs.
0: Philip, thank you very much for your very interesting analysis of the current situation. That's Philip Saunders, Investment Institute Director, 91 in London. This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views of this podcast are those of contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider.